Lining Podcast. It's the podcast where we talk about anything except for our day jobs. I'm very excited to have my dad joining me today. Hello. I thought for a second you were just going to wave. <laughs> oh. This isn't a video, Dad. Look at me. I'm on the internet. <laughs> In the 21st century, dad jokes have evolved <laughs> to incorporate <laughs> digital media. So I wanted to talk to you. I think it's a really good time to talk to you about this because you just got done your live fire training. And yes, the so, first level. Yes. So my dad is an auxiliary firefighter. So for people who... Barely. <laughs> <laughs> a brand new auxiliary firefighter. I guess technically we're no longer rookies. We've been allowed to play with the big kids, so... Um, so for those people who don't really know what that is, could you maybe briefly explain? Uh, basically we help out the career firefighters. They've got a core of, of guys who are full-time firefighters, and when there's a fire, we can also be paged, to, so we, we come and, and back up the career firefighters and give them what assistance we can. Obviously, you're still in the middle of your training. Yes. So, but at the end of it, are you going to have the same qualifications as a career firefighter? I I think so, because they do hire, like right now, actually, we just had a captain retired who's a career firefighter, so everybody kind of bumps up, so one of the guys gets moved up into the captain's position, one of the lower guys gets moved into lieutenants, and so on and so forth, and so they have an opening now, and so a lot of the auxiliaries are applying for that position. So I guess my next question is, this is this is brand new to you. You started this last year, yes. right? Yes, it'll be a year in May, I think. Okay, yeah, so the, this is a fairly brand new pastime that you've adopted, so why firefighting? Uh, I chalk it up to a number of things. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was out of work at the time, and I took a... Uh, workshop and in the course of the workshop one of the workshops the uh, guy mentioned how auxiliary firefighters get excellent training and it also makes them an employee of the city so that gives you access to the jobs in the city and stuff like that and so it seemed like it opened up some opportunities and and it gave me a chance to learn new skills and things so mm -hmm. that was appealing also i i had been working out of town a lot and the schedules were like two weeks on, one week off. So I found it very hard to feel like I was part of the community because it's, it's really hard to join any groups or anything when you're gone for every two out of three weeks. Because, you know, you know, some groups will meet once a month and some groups will meet weekly and, you know, it's just every third week is kind of weird. So I felt like, well, you know what, I want to set down roots in this community now that I'm, I'm no longer working out of town. And I thought that a good way to do set down roots in a community is to serve the community so mm -hmm. uh that was part of it and uh thirdly uh midlife crisis <laughs> some, some guys buy sports cars i decided to become firefighter also listening to a lot of audiobooks about navy seals and stuff and i think that had something to do with it i, I don't know <laughs> i just i decided i could do something just inspired to greatness yeah so how does that process work then you going from having no background in that to <laughs> how do you how do you I guess get started Well they they were advertising for auxiliaries so I I wasn't sure I'd be able to make the physical actually so I contacted them and mm -hmm. they and they said well you can do a dry run of the physical so I tried to do some prep for it and then I went 
was going to do the dry run, and the guy said, well, why don't we make this like a full-fledged test, and if you fail, we'll call it a dry run. Mm-hmm. So I did it, and I was able to do meet the physical requirements. So, well, before that, I think I had to have a physical, just so they didn't kill me mm-hmm. <laughs> doing the physical. So, yeah, there was, there was that, physical, there was, an, there was an interview process as well. Oh, okay. Uh, so I met with the chief and the deputy chief, and uh, I guess I interviewed well. <laughs> they took you in. Well, and also we had a very small rookie class, so maybe I just lucked out and they had a dry spell where they weren't getting as many people, and they thought, "Oh, got to take what we can get." I think they would. I think if you, I think if you demonstrated traits that would have made you not good for it, they wouldn't have taken you in. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's interviewing badly and not interviewing good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm, there's, yes. It's a spectrum. Interesting answers to the questions, but he did check all the not sociopath boxes, so <laughs> no history of arson, so probably... So, the physical that you did, is that different from a physical you would do as a full-fledged firefighter? I think it depends on the department. They have, they have another a number of... Uh, it must be... It is somewhat different, because... Like the auxiliaries that I said are are applying for the position, they had to go do another physical, mm. and it was out of town, so it sounded like it was a, a fair bit more demanding than what we were doing. Did you do your physical with gear on? Uh, yes, we uh, put on the turnout gear, which is like the pants and the coats and the belly clap, I think, and also had to wear a SCBA, a self-contained breathing apparatus oh, hat. Okay. I uh, didn't have to. Ha- I wasn't under air, so I didn't have the the breathing piece on. But That's I was carrying the weight, which they said was about fifty pounds. It okay. seemed a little little lighter than that to me. Well, uh, maybe because it was spread out too, versus maybe. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was in preparation for it. I was doing farmer carries, mm-hmm. so I had a thirty pound weighted vest, and I was carrying two twenty pound dumbbells, and I'd go for like a thirty minute walk with them. So yeah, that weight was all on the shoulders and on the arms, I mm-hmm. guess. So so you get into the program, and then you start, like you guys have your own auxiliary training night, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So what, like, what does that look like for the first little bit when you guys are all brand, brand new? Uh, well, for us, we, uh, they were just getting used to a lot of things like pulling hose off the truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's uh, trucks we use, I think, have three different sizes of hoses so depending on which like you you have a hose that you pull up to the hydrant to feed the engine and then that the engine pumps the water into the smaller hoses that you call attack hoses there's supply hoses and attack hoses attack hoses are used for actually getting the water on the fire and mm-hmm. supply hoses feed the truck to feed the supply hoses uh, so we had so there's different ways that those hoses are wound up and put on the truck and different techniques for pulling them off the truck depending on how far you gotta go and, and how straight a line it is to where you gotta go and stuff like that. So what's been uh, I guess what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned out of this experience so far? Uh, firefighters work a lot safer than TV and movies would give you the impression <laughs> that they do. They're not charging into buildings shirtless? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, they you know, and things like you know and they're having a conversation with someone in the fire like 
they're trying to save someone and they're just standing there coughing with fire all around them. Well, you know, that person would probably be either unconscious or dead. <laughs> uh, and the whole, you know, the lone hero firefighter goes off and does his own thing. No, that doesn't happen. That'll get you fired instantly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it matters whether you save the day or not. You're going to get canned. Because the guy calling the shots, the incident commander, he has to know where everybody is and what they're doing. Firefighting bears little resemblance from what I understand in mm-hmm. TV and movies. What has been, like, skills, skills that you've learned or maybe stuff that you've done in class that either you, like, you thought was be, would be super, super easy and turned out to be a lot harder than it looked or vice versa? Like... You thought it would be something that's super difficult, but, like, with the right technique, it's actually not too bad. As far as stuff that's harder, like, moving the hose around Mm -hmm. is pretty difficult. And especially considering you're supposed to work in pairs, and a lot of times it's just the two of you. Okay. So you have the one guy on the nozzle, or girl, and and then the other person is, is trying to feed the hose to them. But you're supposed to... You're supposed to either be able to see, hear, or touch the person you're working with. Okay. And you're, spo- you're supposed to have two of those three. So if you're going into a building and you've got to go around in halls or around a few corners, well, suddenly it becomes <laughs> a little difficult when you got this hose that's full of water, not a garden hose. It's like a, uh, I think we use inch and three-quarter hoses usually. Um, so feeding those around the corner and then you get another corner, well, okay, I've lost sight of this person now, mm-hmm. so I can't touch them. I maybe can hear them. How long do I go without seeing them before I've you know, got to change positions and things? So mm-hmm. it's uh, there's a lot of that to learn, and, and there's a lot of stuff that I realized I didn't know about fire. Like I, I haven't taken a lot of science classes and stuff, like in school and things, but they talk very little about the actual nature of fire and how it works. And so some of that was, wasn't necessarily hard, but it was interesting uh, learning some of these things. Could you give us an example of something? Well, if I understand this correctly, solids don't actually burn technically. They change form before they start to burn. So it's not the actual, it's, it's their decomposing and then kind of vaporizing and then they burn. Oh. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see what. Oh, smoke is actually fuel a lot of times. It's due to partial uh, combustion. So if you see thick black smoke, that can actually ignite and burn. So the way one of the textbooks put it, if you're in midst of thick black smoke, it's mm-hmm. the same as if you're standing in a pool of fuel. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Because you told you told me that the other day. And then just recently, I saw a video on Facebook of people, like, extinguishing candles and then lighting the candle smoke up above the candle, and it goes back and lights the wick. But it kind of um, works in tandem with the idea that you're breaking apart this this solid object into something that can be vaporized before it can burn. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're right, like, even, even outside of a, like, a university context, even in high school, you talk about combustion reactions... But that's mm-hmm. all kind of in terms of learning how to use, how to like balance chemical equations and say, right, okay, right. like you're burning the carbon, you need to have oxygen as a fuel, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has there been has there been anything where, like, because the the thing that I think about when I think about firefighting and and some of the reasons why 
I myself would probably not be cut out for firefighting is I I don't like the idea of lifting someone up and carrying them down the ladder. Like that seems very unsafe to me. That seems like it's really easy to like fall. Hmm. Okay, and we haven't done a lot of this, but we have done the rescues where we carry people down ladders. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you carry them. It's the ladder sort of becomes this inclined plane. Okay. And you kind of sandwich them between your chest and the ladder. So you're holding the back of the ladder and you slide down the beam. You slide your hands down the beam. So if you start to feel like you're losing control of them, you can just pull tight against the ladder and that comp- that just holds them there. Oh, okay. Would you do that on someone who's conscious or is that like an unconscious person coming down the ladder? Um, that's a good question. We haven't really gotten that far, I think. Okay. I don't know, because you would think a person, like, if, if a firefighter goes up and is in the window, they could probably help them onto the ladder, and I could see them maybe just crawling down themselves. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, chances are, if you've got a building that's so on fire that that they can't get out by other means, mm-hmm. chances are they're not conscious right. to begin with, but, you know, maybe. Okay, so my last kind of segment that's kind of come to my brain here while we're doing this. So, was it last weekend you finished your first round of live fire training? Yes. So, were you were you nervous at all? Were you Oh, I was. Yes, I was so worked up. <laughs> I, I think it was a, well, it's a big part like with our recruit class, one guy that's a couple years older than my oldest son, you know, your brother Adam. Uh, <laughs> I have a brother? Is, what? Yes. <laughs> So Adam's 28 now. Yeah. He's going to be 29 this year. And there's a guy in our recruit class who's 30. Mm-hmm. And he's the next oldest. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest. I just turned 49. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I feel kind of ancient a lot of times <laughs> because these people are all the age of my kids. So I kind of feel like, oh, am I going to embarrass myself? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there was that aspect of it. Just, I, I guess I was kind of worried that I'd make our department look bad because there's a number of departments go to live fire training and I just didn't want to, you know, I wanted to represent our group well. And, mm-hmm. uh, so that made me a little nervous. Um, the live fire training was, wasn't bad for us guys who were, our guys and girls, who it was our first level. Live fire two, there's a little more of them being team leaders, so they have to be able to give direction as far as what to do in the fire situation. Whereas with with me, it was more just pillows or, you know. Just getting used to the environment. Yeah. So I'm imagining, when you tell me, like, Mackenzie, I'm going to live fire training, I'm imagining, like, they throw you in a room, light it on fire, and shut the door. What? They did, more or less. They kind of did. <laughs> they have a concrete building that's made, made to stand fire inside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they put you in a room. They pile a bunch of wood pallets in one corner and light them on fire. Okay. And then you sit in the room and you feel it get warmer. And um, and, and it's also kind of neat because you can look up and see what they call the thermal layering, where the hot gases rise and pool on the roof and start, or the ceiling, and start working their way down toward you as it gets hotter and stuff. So, yeah, we're in there doing that. Um, there's a lot of about what they can do and stuff so they can't expose you to what you would actually be exposed to in a house fire mm-hmm. because you know all the chemicals and things like uh, 
petroleum-based products, plastics, all this stuff burn differently, burn hotter, give off toxic gas, give off cancer-causing gas. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of that they're not allowed to do. So apparently it's it gives you a taste of what you'll face in the field. But they said like an ottoman for that burning, you would have to have like 80 pallets on fire to match the heat that that gives off. Really? Kind of thing. So, so yeah, it wasn't as it wasn't as intense as a real fire is going to be. But it it did give you you know there was some of the you know the lack of visibility. Mm -hmm. That that's something that I found really challenging to deal with is is going into a room not being able to see properly and to know that you're you're trying to go in there and put out a fire and look for victims and and not be able to see you know two paces away or three paces away is is that that i find very challenging does it feel does it feel claustrophobic to you or are you worried you're gonna miss something like what is it that is probably difficult? a combination thereof okay well i guess it's in a way it's like the fear of the unknown no there's something there that can conceivably kill you <laughs> in the dark uh, because it's dark until you actually find the seat of the fire. So yeah, and and the way one one firefighter put it is like you know you you know to know that you went through a room maybe and because you didn't look on top of the bed or under the bed or something, someone died in there that you will never know whether you could have saved them or not. You know that can be a tough thing to to deal with. So. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel when when you're going in, like, did you go in and, like, clear rooms and stuff like that? Like, look? Yes, yes, we did so searches. And is that need to do that kind of, like, as quickly as you can, or is it more about doing things as safely as you can? Like, how, how do you guys balance it's that out? It's more, say, like, the top priority is your own safety. You know, they don't like to advertise that, but in the end, if I get myself killed in a fire, I'm not saving anybody. Yeah. And someone may have to save me. So the risks you take are going to be weighed very heavily in your favor. So it's got to, so for you to take a significant risk, there's got to be a significant reward. So like after hours in a big box store, if it's on fire, they're not going to take that as big a risk because it's like, well, there's nobody in there to save. Or chances are there's nobody in there to save. Whereas an apartment building or, or a house or something where you know you know there's people in there, then you may take more of a risk. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, I think it is similar, and I can talk about this for a very brief window in time because it's technically not my day job yet. I, I think it's very similar with, like, emergency services. One of our instructors was telling us that when you have these big, like, multi-casualty incidents, MCIs, I think they said a quarter of the deaths are rescuer deaths. Uh, which is why they kind of have this emphasis now on rescuer safety is first. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't treat it that way, what happens is you go out and you, you people go out with the best intentions, you know, trying mm -hmm. to do the right thing, trying to help these people, but they end up putting yourselves, themselves at so much risk. It's not even yeah. getting injured, it's dying. Well, you see, like, I, I know doing industrial work, they warned us about things like, you know, if there's a toxic gas leak or something. They showed us this video about um, this guy who's, they, they were doing something in a, in a vessel, uh, a steel or metal vessel of some kind. And with the iron, the iron oxidizing, it robbed, it made it an oxygen deficient atmosphere. So this guy's dad went down to inspect his vessel with no breathing apparatus and he didn't come up. And so his son went down 
and he became overcome because it was an auction, and, and then the next another oh worker goodness. was going down to save him, and because all these workers, they were like, I can't leave that person to die. Yeah. But realistically, you can't hold your breath, climb down a ladder, grab somebody, pull them out, carry them up a ladder to safety. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right? Yeah. But the impulse is so strong because that's like in this case it was the kid's father and and the other ones it was their coworkers who you know they saw every day and everything and they couldn't stand it and so yeah I think there was like four or five guys in this vessel before the one guy had enough sense to go get help yeah well and there's even like this idea of task fixation where the more adrenaline you have pumping in your body the more you kind of narrow focus on one thing and it, it's that I. I that's part of the reason why they have you working in a team system like with a partner or whatever because like for example i was doing this drill with a tourniquet and i don't want to go into too much detail because the course was really cool and i think you have to go into the course kind of blind to fully appreciate the experience but there were circumstances wherein like it was tough to see it was tough and the velcro strap kind of got bunched up so my tourniquet wouldn't i couldn't pull it through the clip to get it around this person's leg and i was like sitting there and it was like tunnel vision the only thing i could think about was like i can't the velcro is bunched up i can't pull it through the clip i can't pull it through. meanwhile i've got another perfectly good tourniquet in my bag and it's like uh. it took someone being like do you have another tourniquet and me being like oh yeah i do and like you know what i mean yeah, yeah, where it's yeah. like it's there's so much of that stuff too where it's human nature to be like that and so unless someone tells you different or unless you practice being in those circumstances, it's very difficult to kind of overcome those, yeah. those tendencies. And it's like, it's the same deal. Like if someone, if someone never tells you your safety is number one, then all of a sudden you've got a situation where, you know, there's a building about to collapse and you walk in there and it collapses on you while the world isn't any better off yeah, yeah. that way. In the same sense where with what I'm trying to do, there's a lot of times where with like domestic disputes which people have told me where they can hear this domestic dispute going on but they're not allowed to go in there because it's not safe for them yeah and ultimately at the end of the day is it awful is it unfortunate absolutely it is but at the same time it's like well it's better for me to phone the police and know that the police are on their way than for me to walk in and then have my partner have to deal with two people instead of one person yeah that's <laughs> a big the big phrase they use around the, the department is muscle memory where they try to train things into you to the point where do them without thinking so you're kind of freed up do the thinking you need to do mm -hmm. because that's what they're also trying to they're trying to get away from the whole checklist mentality where you come into a situation i gotta do this 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 and this order because every fire is slightly different you know there are times you have to they would rather have you go in and assess the situation as it is and adapt adopt a plan rather than go in and use a set of instructions that you've memorized that maybe aren't suited to that situation so it's kind of an interesting balancing act because on the one hand you do have to have that that muscle memory that training but you also have to be thinking about it too before you employ it yeah so what's the most fun or the coolest thing you've got to do in training uh self-rescue is kind of neat I haven't gotten to do it on a full-fledged ladder they kind of have this little practice ladder that's only fire they have a window set up and you set the ladder up so it's right below the windowsill okay and so it's like an emergency situation where you have to get out right now mm -hmm. so they teach us how to go out head first oh my you throw, you throw one arm between you put it in past the top rung 
grab the second rung. Okay. And then kind of go head first out the window, roll over, grab the third rung with your other arm, slide your arm out, and then kind of straddle the the beams of the ladder and slide down like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we haven't gotten to actually slide down a ladder because, like I said, the ladder is only about five feet off the ground. Right. Uh, but that that was kind of neat, learning to do that. Were you ever concerned, like, my concern that I'd be like, okay, I gotta, like, flip. Like, I gotta put everything I have into this, like, rotation and then pull my the ladder off the side of the building and fall? Well, no, because if someone puts a ladder up there for you to egress from, there's gonna be a guy at the bottom. Oh, the bottom okay. Rung. Yeah. So that's usually not a con- that's not really a concern. But and again, we were practicing five feet off the ground. Yeah. So it, uh, we have done it where we had a full ladder and someone was passing us out the window to somebody else. Oh. And I was wishing I was a little bit more flexible than I actually was, <laughs> uh, because <coughs> we're supposed to be unconscious. So they drag you feet first toward the window, grab you behind the knees and kind of pull you up so you're almost like in a sit-up starting position and then they grab you haul you up while the guy on the ladder is holding your hands so then they come in behind you and kind of just put their hip in behind your butt so because once your knees get locked you're not your knees aren't going to bend forward right right? so you're kind of locked in this position where you're bent over the windowsill then they control one leg and pass your other leg out the window oh my goodness So your head pointed down toward the ground. Guy on the ladder has your kind of between your neck and your shoulders in the crook of his one elbow. And then they're passing your other leg out the window so that he can reach between your legs and then grab. So they're grabbing the back of the beam and the beams of the ladder, the vertical parts. So yeah, so you got one leg going out the window while one leg is still more or less on the ground or close to the ground. So there's a lot of stretching involved because it was a pretty narrow window. Yeah. Uh, I feel so like my what, hamstrings would explode. Like, Well, at one point, even though I was supposed to be unconscious, I'm like, guys, I'm 49 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was neat training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it went really well. Like one of the guys who's probably one of the smaller guys, he carried me down a ladder pretty much effortlessly, it seemed. Like, he didn't seem to struggle at all. And mm. I'm uh, either the most or the second heaviest guy there. I'm 235 pounds. Carried me down the ladder. I say carry, but it's kind of slide you down the ladder. Did it pretty well, so. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a really great experience for you so far. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good group of people at the fire hall, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's been interesting. Where I, like, there's different levels. So we've got to finish what's called the exterior training before we're going to be qualified to actually go into fires Mm. having said that some guys have gotten to go into the fires because there's just the manpower right right so it's yeah it's it's interesting well thanks very much for sharing your auxiliary experience with us sure no problem we'll have to have you back as you like finish your different levels of training just to give us updates for what yeah yeah that'll be yeah i look forward to that and uh any opinions expressed here are my own and do not represent uh, Powell River Fire Rescue or any <laughs> other fire department for that matter. Oh, I'm going to tag uh, them on Twitter when I put this up. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs>
<laughs> maybe ask before we post this? I say we as if I have some sort of production team that's helping me out with this. Yes. I will uh, say, this is the first episode of Aluminum Linings that has not one, but two recording mics going. And this is also the first sponsored episode of Aluminum Linings. I'm very happy to say that we are sponsored by Global Physiotherapy in Sherwood Park. And by sponsored, I mean my boss gave me the second mic as a going away gift. And I asked her if I could say this episode was sponsored. And she said yes. What kind of services do they provide? Oh, well, we have a wide range of experienced and senior physiotherapists. Uh, they offer treatments ranging from... Wait a minute, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they're sponsored by you. That's true, that's true. I wish we. I wish they had a slogan. I did I did toss out the idea of writing a theme song for them, and my boss seemed pretty game. She honestly, I, like... Again, like, I'm not, I don't work there anymore, but I, I did really enjoy working there. They are great people over there. Yeah, I did meet some of them, and they seemed like really nice people. Yeah, they really are. And, like, I've had, well, I guess, like, the other podcast isn't up anymore, but I had Carly on the podcast, and she was great. She's probably going to come on this one, too, because she's finished a leg of her tour, and I think it would be interested, interesting to talk to her. Huh. But, yeah, no, like, they're honestly, they're great people, and I do think they're all super, they... They go so far out of their way to help people, and that's really refreshing. Like, I never felt like physios were rushing patients in and out. Oh, that's and, good for them. Yeah, and even being, like, because I was front-end staff, not a physiotherapist, in case anyone's wondering. Uh, I was I was just front-end staff, and coming into the job, I, that was one of my concerns. Where I was like, okay, how are the physios going to treat reception staff? Nothing but respect. It was, it was a great, great work environment. I really, really appreciate it. They also sell those rolly things, right? They sell foam rollers. They sell, like, workout bands and stuff. And you've used those yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have. Well, I've I've actually, like, I've had, like, I've had needling done. They they, think I saw them for my back for physio and stuff like that. Like, cannot say enough nice things about them. I was able to go back and start weightlifting again last February, and I think a huge part of that was seeing the physios at Global. Because it was like, well, this is like, this is going in a very different direction. But I had a super bad back injury and I hadn't been able to lift weights properly in years since my back injury. And my back was just, it wasn't bad all the time anymore at that point. But it was like, it took the smallest thing to re-injure my back. Like getting bumped the wrong way or like, you know, being a spaz, which I mean, I am who I am. So like... (laughs) Today, like, I was walking across the street, and I stepped on some ice, and you know when you, like, start to slip and you straighten your whole body, because apparently that's an athletic stance that's going to help you, like, out of a slide? I did that, and if I would have done that this same, if I would have done that two years ago, it would have hurt my back doing something like that. Right. So, yeah, I just, I love them over there. This is not a paid sponsorship, but, like, if you're in Sherwood Park and you need physio, go there. They're great. Also, say hi to Sue for me. I miss our chats. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, this has been the aluminum. This has been the aluminum linings podcast. It's actually plural. I'm gonna say that one more time. This has been the aluminum linings podcast, where we talk about anything except for our day jobs. If you want to find more aluminum linings content, you can go to aluminumlinings.com to see what I'm up to. Do you have any special projects you want to talk about that you're doing? Me? Yeah. No, I'm pretty much. I'm, I'm, I kind of hit the wall with Twitter, and I'm technico- technologically uh, challenged. I did have to teach him how to take an emoji off a, like a reaction off of a Facebook comment. 
yesterday, yeah, so can confirm. Messenger or whatever. Yeah. I, but he okay, okay. So he was on he was on a we're group. Gonna talk about this. He was on he was on the group chat, you guys. So first of all, kudos to you. You know, you're doing the group chat thing. That's what the youths are up to these days. Just accidentally, I guess, tapped on the reaction button, then tapped a reaction emoji, then couldn't get the reaction emoji off. Yeah, I thought I already, this person had put a thumbs down, I think, on their comment. Oh, okay. And I thought I put that in. Mm. And then so this reaction thing came up, and it's it was a female person. <laughs> uh, I'm a married man. I don't go around creeping females' profiles and stuff. And um, so I'm looking at this <laughs> reaction thing, and I'm seeing the emoji face with hard eyes and all this, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta put something that isn't going to be offensive and then try to figure out how to remove it after the fact. And so I did a shocked face, and then I couldn't figure out how to remove it, so I had an embarrassing, awkward message that I posted to this person who I saw at the workout thing but never talked to used to her and as it turns out that I live in a very small community I have worked with her husband and so I felt the need to text her husband to let her know that I wasn't creeping his wife I just accidentally put a reaction and I didn't know how to remove it so I tell his wife that I wasn't creeping her it probably would have been fine. I don't know just... if I'm ever going back to this workout thing. It's a very small group. And <coughs> I can't see this not being awkward. Oh my goodness. Forever. So yeah, um, all that to say I'm technologically challenged. It probably would have been fine if you just left the emoji and didn't say anything. Well, I'm not going to go into any more details. Cause <laughs> okay, fair enough. Oh my Just goodness. with the content of the message, I kind of was concerned. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. Um, fair enough. Context yeah. is key. Yeah, okay. So on that awkward, embarrassing moment, I guess so. we'll we'll end the podcast there. That was great. <laughs> okay, well, um, obviously, if you if you tuned into the second podcast, you know that there is no schedule for the order with which these podcasts are coming out. Uh, thank you for joining me for episode two, and episode three will come at some point, but as, you know, just a quick reminder, we do all have day jobs, so... <laughs> okay, bye forever, friends. Just kidding. Till next time. <laughs>